You're listening to The Lightwalker's Path with Serena Myers, the podcast that sparks real, raw, honest conversations about what it actually means to live a spiritual life. Serena is a sacred soul mentor who guides people to tap into their heart's truth so they can live their lives with purpose on purpose. Welcome to episode 17 of The Lightwalker's Path. I am Serena Myers, and we are continuing the beautiful interview series that we've had going on this month about what it means to live a spiritual life. And today we're going to be chatting with uh, Danielle Serenk. So rather than giving you a whole bunch of preamble, let's dive in. Uh, I am absolutely excited for this episode and the guest who I'm going to be featuring, which is Danielle Serenk. And what she doesn't know, what you don't know, is that um, she is very hugely responsible for a lot of the work that I'm doing today. And she has no idea of this. So she can see the look on her face. You can't, but I can. And she's going, what? So um, there was a point in time a few years ago where I had an apparition show up in my patio door that looked exactly like my stepdad. And I was pretty sure it was him. And she told me that, yeah, it probably was. And I wasn't sure about communicating with him. And I knew Danielle was a medium but I wanted zero to do with dead people. That has always been my mission. I still kind of believe that. And a huge part of it was the fear of being open because I didn't recognize that I had a say in that. And what is so special to me is that, you know, we kind of were in the same kind of vague circle. She's in Squamish. I'm in Vancouver. So we knew some of the same people and we had met at an event. But um, this one conversation opened a door not only to our friendship, but then to all of the allowance that I allowed for my gifts to open up and awaken. And it wouldn't have happened if she hadn't been such a receptive person. And she's also a teacher. So she's not just delving into doing work with talking to the dead people that I have zero interest in doing. Let me just underline that a few times. But in being able to help people have these connections for themselves and to be able to awaken their gifts in a way that feels supported and held and safe. And I just think she's the cat's pajamas. So she is here today. So Danielle, can you start off telling us a little bit about um, how you went from just like a regular gal to a medium? Because it literally was like a switch that flicked on for you. What was that journey like? Yeah, well, thank you. I have like shivers all over my body. You are like the sweetest and I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, so, you know, the thought around origin story to me actually came up this week because I feel like I kind of have a boring origin story. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like to, you know, I'm a very real medium. I'm very down to earth. So I don't like to exaggerate anything or make myself seem like I'm more connected or less connected than anyone else because that is not my belief. Um, but I didn't actually know I was a medium until I was 31 and I had my first child. Um, and it was like, when I realized what mediumship connection was and how subtle it actually is, then the rest of my life made sense. Mm -hmm. So I realized in reflection that I had been having spiritual experiences since I was seven years old. And it wasn't a coincidence that even as a teenager, I was drawn to the Montel Williams show and I watched Sylvia Brown every Wednesday and, you know, crossing over with John Edwards. And I think I read all 42 of Sylvia Brown's books before I was 20. I joined a paranormal investigation group in my twenties, which I was part of for three years. And I was a ghost hunter and I traveled the world to the most haunted locations to try to see what I could experience in that way. Um, and I was always drawn to the medium in the group. So I'd been drawn to mediumship. Uh, my whole life, really, but I never thought I was a medium. And I had a, you know, some trauma with a relative and 
when I was 17, they passed away. And what really sparked it was I wondered what happened to somebody like that when they passed, because I didn't grow up with a religious background. So I didn't have any foundational beliefs. And I was like, what happens to somebody like this? Um, you know, do they go to heaven? Do they go to hell? Is there such thing? So I actually started seeing mediums when I was 17 years old. And, you know, I'd been living on my own already for a year at that time. So I would be spending my hard earned money um, seeking other mediums for these answers. And every medium I encountered said I was a medium, but I also didn't live the Pierce life. <laughs> so I never believed people. Like people kept saying like, oh, like you're, I'm going to be getting readings from you one day. And I never believed it. And then when I was 31, I had my daughter. I ended up with tickets to see a medium do a demonstration. I was the first one who got read. And then my friend got me a private reading with them. And they said the same thing. Do you know that you're a medium? And I said, well, I've been told that, but I don't feel like I'm pure enough that angels would talk to me. <laughs> That's where I was at with my own self-belief and limitation. And then they said, well, just come to my class and like, we'll just see what happens. And then sure enough, the first class I connected with this lady's son and I knew his name and it was quite an intense experience for me. And I realized at that moment, because it was a mom who had lost a son and I had just had a baby, the level of responsibility that came with the mediumship mm. um, abilities. And so I decided in that very moment that I was going to do a slow and steady development path. I'm like, I just want to focus on development and not serving. And I developed for over four years before I opened up my private practice because I seen firsthand um, the gravity that, um, uh, you know, a medium can hold in a healing journey. And so I wanted to do it in a really responsible way. So that's kind of my origin story. I'm kind of a late bloomer in that respect and even more late because I decided to develop quite slowly. <laughs> it actually, there's a lot of commonality in the things that I hear in the people that I know um, in terms of having those, these little nuggets, it's like trail of breadcrumbs of, um, you know, th that, you know, they're, they're calls that you could have answered in your youth, um, but that didn't get, you know, didn't blossom until later. And I, I think unless you are someone um, who has a family who really actively like believes and cultivates those gifts, it's actually kind of hard to be able to pick it up the first time. And I really want to come back to this idea about purity because um, part of the reason that I started this podcast was to normalize spirituality. And to be really clear that spirituality, faith, uh, intuitive gifts, all of that is not for like the select few. It's not some specialized thing that unless you're chosen, it's not good. You, you know, it's not for you. And the idea of purity is so huge. And I had it in my journey as well. And um, in terms of like growing up around crime, around drugs, around um, just my own like self-loathing and hatred and how do you show up and serve when you're in that place and I can you tell me more about like your journey of recognizing the purity beneath the story that you're not pure enough yeah you know I feel like because I feel like I did a lot of bad things when I was younger but there were really conditions of my upbringing because I too grew up in a family with addictions and you know I grew up in a really tough neighborhood and you did what you could to survive and I was a latchkey kid so you know my parents weren't working so I felt like I just didn't have God's love or I didn't have the love of spirit um and it wasn't until I actually got really deep into mediumship and started connecting 
um, as a medium that I realized that the decisions I made and life experiences I had only helped me in my mediumship because the the soul connection and the language of the world of spirit is actually through your references, which is your experiences, which is why you actually find a lot of mediums and are people who have had colorful lives, like divorces, abuse, addictions. It's because we need more references to help more people. Mm -hmm. totally. <laughs> so it was actually through that experience I realized why I made decisions that I made. Um, and it also helped me navigate and negotiate that um, feeling of not feeling pure enough. But where I feel pure is within my intention within the work. Mm. So I know that I have honest intentions with what I do um, for the world of spirit. And every day I show up and I say, how can I serve today? And so I feel that spirit feels my uh, purity within my intention of um, that service work and how I choose to serve the world of spirit, which is actually empowering other people to show that you could do this too. <laughs> totally. Because you, you become, become a living that. example of the work and about what's possible. Exactly. And I'm just an average person. I'm just a mom. I'm just, you know, worker bee. And um, there's nothing like sort of unique about me. I think that we all have these abilities. We don't all um, aren't supposed to wake up to them throughout this life. Right. But we all come from the same place. We all go to the same place. So if you're curious and usually if you're getting a reading, you are, um, then you have that within your energy and ability to blossom within that. Um, so I feel like the purity was something that I had to negotiate for a long time, like even years within my practice this and I've come to realize like you know spirit loves us especially our guides who have had these human experiences too you know they they really have done colorful things as well um, <laughs> within their experiences and they're still chatting with us so I feel that the real purity is within the intention that you set out um, within your spiritual practice within your spiritual growth and how you show up to serve the world and the world of spirit when I love how so much of what you're saying is internal work um, and e even intention, even though it's expressed externally, is internal work. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people get caught up in this idea of being pure and they think, okay, this means I need to be a raw vegan. I need to juice every day. I need to meditate for four hours. Otherwise, I'm not good enough. And it's like this external seeking of good enough when really we just have to accept that we are, that it's inherent within us, that it's our God-given right. We just, it's there for us to claim if we want to. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, now we are both uh, students of Kyle Gray mm -hmm. and uh, Kyle really teaches to experience angels is to essentially drop the shields and open up um, to be willing to be seen and to be able to feel with deeper ways and whatnot. And as you were, and I know I've, I've heard you talk about the fact that your gifts switched on with the birth of your daughter, but this just came through for me as we were talking about it this time. Is there a correlation there? Because I know there's something, I mean, there's something about babies, but certainly about your own baby that deepens our capacity for love. Like you can't really look at your own child with your guards up and be fully like shielded from just that infinite source of love that happens when you're like, Hey, you are now outside of me in my hands. Holy crap. You're real. Is there, was there, do you think a correlation there where just the, like the capacity, your capacity for love being so open with her coming into this world that like your gifts just that they kind of snuck their way through. That was like the bouncer was <laughs> I'm not guarding the door anymore. Totally. I honestly feel like spirit was kind of like, okay, like you can't avoid this path anymore because this is for her. I've always felt that my abilities came when they did, because this is going to be part of my children's path. Um, and talking about angels, I didn't even know about, 
think about angels until my daughter started speaking. And she, the first thing she started talking about was blue angels. Mm. And I would get a call from her daycare provider who was very non-religious. And she would be like, KJ keeps talking about blue angels. And I was like, Oh, weird. Like we don't talk about angels at home. And I always, you know, I'm an indigenous woman, intergenerational residential school survivor. So the last thing I was connected to was the Catholic faith. No <laughs> it was quite the opposite, but that's, I always, correlated um angels with the catholic faith and so that actually ignited my curiosity about angels which is how i found calgary because i was not drawn to doreen virtue <laughs> mm -hmm. unfortunately i never was and he made it very tangible for me and reachable and because he is so grounded in his teachings now i have videos of my daughter um her room um with angels around it like just the brightest beams of light around her crib and I tell you I had my son in the same room same video camera nothing my daughter has had lights around her as far as I can go back and I know that there's an angel connection there with her and I have a podcast episode where I interview her on angels it's the only angel episode I have actually and she's five years old now and she still talks about angels all the time. So I do feel that most definitely that experience through giving birth, whether that was more expensive love, I haven't thought about it like that. I've just always felt um, kind of like a responsibility. I'm a Virgo, so everything's kind of like service, service, other people, other people. But I've always felt like, oh, like I feel like spirit brought this now because this is going to be part of her path. And so I want to know as much as I can to support her for whenever she's ready. This isn't something I push on her or I'm not trying to like raise a prodigy child by any means, but if she feels called to get curious about crystals, angels, spirit, she has imaginary friends or whatnot, I'll be more prepared to help guide her through that. Well, and I think when we're talking about these things being inherent within us anyway, like we came into the world with these knowings, mm -hmm. but you know, for generations, the parents were not equipped so that, you know, talking to angels was decided it was an imaginary friend and there was this tampering of these gifts and of this knowing. And sometimes people find it later in life like we did. Sometimes they don't. But I think what's really interesting, and I know a lot of people think spirituality going mainstream is really cheesy and tacky and whatever, but I think the most beautiful byproduct of that is the fact that we are now aware. We are now more conscious. We are mindful to not just tamper it down or dismiss it. And now there's this whole generation of children that are being raised by these women who are consciously on a path and who know the signs, know what to look out for. And so it's not about pushing an agenda, like you said, but it's, it's um, fertilizing, you know, this already, this already ripe field and allowing it to thrive and grow. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty exciting, actually. It is very exciting. Yeah. And, you know, I always think about this concept of like the crystal, um, the indigo, the crystal and the rainbow, right? Like that whole structure, right? Indigo is kind of coming in, feeling things out like, okay, is the world ready to awaken yet? Okay. I'm going to bring in a crystal. Okay. The crystal is going to actually do a bit of work, still struggle. And then the rainbows essentially come in. Karma free is one of the theories around it. And they're just here to do the work. Right. Um, so I've always kind of like resonated with that because I've always considered my dad an indigo mm. um, just because of the way that he lived his life and how open he became in, later in life. And in essence, I would consider myself more of a crystal. And I do consider my, my daughter, especially to be part of that like rainbow child generation. Right. Um, but yeah, I love the philosophy and the ideas behind that. It gives you some hope too, because you know, it's really easy to look at the doom and gloom that's going on in the world and to say, okay, 
it might be shitty in these ways now, but um, these are our future leaders. These are the people that are going to be making our policies and our decisions and, you know, the conservation and all these kinds of things. And when they're coming into the world, not just with that lighter baggage, but also being raised and nurtured by people who get it. Yes. Um, I think it's, it's pretty promising for us. Absolutely. And I definitely feel that. So it's just now raising children in a very uncompassionate time with like the internet and, you know, people being so brave behind the screen. It's like, how do I now raise a compassionate child so that she can better the chance to spread her light and to feel safe in doing so. Right. So where did your podcast spirit school start from? Well, spirit school was something that I started because it's what I was looking for when I first opened up. I felt very alone when I first started um, developing as a medium. I did have a spirit circle that I attended. I did have some peers there, but we all chose very different paths. Like most of them went out right away and started offering readings. And I just didn't feel ready. I just felt like, man, you guys are so brave and I'm not, but then none of them are doing readings anymore. So I feel like there was like a lot of hard lessons there, which is why I also wanted the slow and steady path. Um, so spirit school was what I wanted when I first started. So it's a very vulnerable space. It's, you know, I'm willing to be vulnerable in it and give you guys my lessons so that you can learn different ones <laughs> and learn from mine. So I talk about my imperfections. I talk about the insecurities that comes with doing this work and developing as a medium because we are working with the world of intangibles, right? Like this is like the world of energy. Like you have to be, have big balls to say what you are perceiving in a reading when hearts are on the line and mm -hmm you know, you could trigger. And so there's a lot that you have to negotiate in not only developing your mediumship, but then also transforming that into like a public service, right? There's like an art to giving a reading. Mm -hmm. So I really talk about things that come up in my experiences and that have come up in the past. I actually kept the blog that I just have out there. I've never shared it. People have stumbled upon it, but I actually documented my entire development journey. Um, a couple posts a month from like the most mundane experience to the most powerful. So I actually kind of go back to that and see what those early, cause you forget the more you move on. I've been doing this for six years now. You actually forget what the early hangups were. So I go back to that to kind of get inspiration. Like, Oh yeah. You know, I remember those fears of spirit not showing up. Like what if somebody books with me and spirit doesn't show up? So I, I do a whole podcast episode on that. And what I find is a lot of people, and I feel like, you know, I don't have a podcast that gets like tens of thousands of listeners. I trust that I'm speaking to whoever is meant to hear it. So that's how I set my intention for the episode. It's like spirit, you know, who's listening. So just inspire me to reach those people. And I do find I reach those people on a very deep soul level. And people are very appreciative of that vulnerability because I never had teachers who were vulnerable. I never had teachers who were willing to allow themselves to be seen as less connected. And I think it was BS. Honestly, I, I would get frustrated because it made me feel like I was less connected or maybe I shouldn't be doing this work. When now I find that everyone has these exact same worries and these exact same hangups. It's like, let's talk about them. Well, I so think that's, that's so important because it's, it's like the highlight reel on social media. If we looked at, at someone's life on Instagram, we can make a lot of assumptions about how great things are and how everything is perfect and polished all the time. When in reality, there are bad days. When in reality, there are stresses, there's traffic, there's, you know, car accidents. There's all kinds of things that just get in the way of joy. And I think and when you're in student mode, it's particularly vulnerable 
because it requires a lot of courage to be like, I'm not good at this and I want to try it anyway, or I'm interested in this and I want to make it better. And when you have um, people that are either teachers or in leadership roles or mentors who always have the brave face on about, you know, this is what the perfect looks like. Um, it can create a lot of shame and discord for the people who are not there yet or are just not there yet that day. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that I appreciate the most about you and about your storytelling on your podcast is that it is really raw and real and honest. And, um, it really creates a lot of inclusivity for people, particularly when they're in the early days of building their craft. Mm -hmm. And the last thing too, along those lines is you don't want to, you don't want people to compare themselves to other journeys because we all unfold very uniquely, very different times in very different ways. And what I found with the classes was like you were constantly comparing yourself because there was no air of vulnerability. There was no air of, you know, we are all developing completely different at different times and in different ways. And in truth, spirit speaks to us all very differently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I try to be as like open and transparent with it as possible. I really enjoy it. I was so scared to do it. I actually have been recording podcast episodes for over a year. And, you know, my own stuff came up where I felt like, who am I? And how am I saying things differently than other people? Um, and I would actually record and then delete episodes right away. And then I heard a saying last December um, done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. And that just switched the light on me. And I actually ended up uploading all the episodes I had left and I published them all without listening to them. I recorded my intro once. I never even re-listened to it. I'm like, this is it. And that's how I kind of run my podcast is not so polished. And it's just basically, I don't write an outline. I'm literally just kind of like opening my heart, setting my intention and just saying, all right, what do we have to say today? You know, and I'm very about that with my students too. Like, look at your soul sisters around the circle. You are completely for one another. We are never competing with one another. We want each other to do extremely well. And we want each other to be very successful in whatever we end up doing with our work with spirit. Um, and really kind of like setting that safe tone for people because I know how I felt within circles. And it goes completely different when you go to retreats. And then it's like... <laughs> You know, it, it could be quite a tough atmosphere sometimes. Particularly if you're doing that internal comparison that happens. Because even if the person who's holding the space, um, you know, is is having that dialogue around, let's we're in this together, let's do this together and cheer each other on. I think if the people have the internal work that's still happening around comparison, um, it can really slow their growth. Because instead of just being full steam ahead and just honoring the energy and the message and, and what's coming through, they're trying to go full steam ahead while being distracted by what's this guy doing, what's that guy doing, instead of just being able to like honor exactly where they're at. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's really up to the teacher and the leader to kind of like hold that space. And what I would do in that situation is say, I've been there. I know exactly how you feel so that they feel less alone and that they know that you see them, you hear them, and you actually feel from a place of knowing what they are experiencing. Um, and I think that's really important in this work. People want, like when I go to my peers and tell them like, oh, I had a bad day at work and I put that in air quotes because like any job, even with mediumship, not every day is amazing. You know, I'm not looking to be taught. I'm looking to be seen and I'm looking to hear, oh, I've had really bad days too. I'm like, really? Okay, well, that kind of makes me feel better. 
Well, even when that's what you need. Even when you are um, in, a, in a position of being taught, I still want to be taught by someone who has had bad days and who will talk about them, not someone who's going to go, well, this is what you need to learn from it, but oh, aren't I so perfect for having all the answers? Like I yeah. need that human element as well. Yeah. I like to go deep, right? Like I'm, I like to see the depths of people and I like to go deep. Um, so anything that's kind of like surface, I just kind of like tune out a little bit, right? And you could feel surface when you, when you see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just doesn't resonate with me. I'm like, I need people who are vulnerable now. And I know that about me and my teachers, um, because even though I'm a teacher, I'm always being mentored as well. And I'm always going to have a mentor. I'm always going to learn from different teachers because I think I'm always going to be a student of the art of mediumship um, and angel and angel work. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's very important um, to also know, you know, Course in Miracles says to teach is to learn. So a lot of people are in a place where they could be sharing more, even if it's with your own internal circles and your own family and friends. And don't think that you have to be the expert on things before you can start sharing what you know, because much like you and me having this conversation years ago, I never would have thought that that one little conversation peer to peer would spark something in you that would change your life for the better. So we never know the impact we have on other people. Mm-hmm. So we are all teachers and students in some aspect in the this spiritual space. Well, and even when I'm teaching, I find I'm learning too, because you might be there showing things from your perspective and from like the knowledge you've been given and the wisdom that you have, but then someone will sometimes just say something and you'll be like, Whoa, I hadn't even seen it like that. And it doesn't mm. mean you have to necessarily like agree or disagree, but I feel like even just considering a different angle, mm-hmm. um, can open doors for your own learning and your own knowing in these beautiful ways. And I think that's the part that a lot of people think that once you, you know, once you start teaching that that's it. And it's actually almost like that's where it begins. Exactly. So when you're looking for a mentor, uh, when you're like, okay, this is my next level. This is what I want to do. Like what kinds of things do you seek out in um, who's going to help you help guide the way to the next stage? Well, my first mentor I worked with, I feel was like divinely aligned. And I ended up working with that teacher for four years, um, which is a very long time to have a relationship with a mentor. The next mentor um, that I had, I heard a podcast episode and it was like, I heard her voice and I heard her speak about something I was going through in that very moment, which was a very vulnerable thing. That was my first time I heard another medium talk vulnerable, vulnerable about a hang up or an experience. Um, and it was around, you know, having a bad reading and then like, just stop doing them. And how do you pick yourself up? And so I admired that in her so much. I'm like, you are the first medium I've ever heard share some vulnerable space. And so I chose her as my teacher. Um, she's no longer doing mediumship as we both know. (laughs) And then the next teacher that I found, it was really just around who's willing to be, um, vulnerable. That's what it is for me to be honest with you, because where I'm at in my mediumship practices, I want to learn from somebody who's been through what I'm about to go through and is willing to share their lessons in a vulnerable way. So I've been following my new teacher, Lindsay Marino, you know, again, I don't go for like the most famous mediums. Like I could have worked with Tony Stockwell like a hundred times and stuff, but I don't necessarily go for those famous names. I've been following her Instagram I've taken her free webinars when she's looked at it and like years have passed and I'm like, you know what? I'm just feeling like now's the time I want to work with her and it's worked out perfectly. And she is very vulnerable and willing to like hold that that space. So I know that I can learn something through her. So again, it's like a 12 week program and 
who knows what will happen next. I'll probably take a few months off and then the next teacher will just kind of like pop up. That's how spirit works and the intelligence. All of a sudden you'll like see somebody and you'll be curious about them. And because I do a slow and steady everything, <laughs> I'll just kind of like wait until it feels right and then just hop on. But lately for the past few years, it's really been around who's willing to be vulnerable with me. Mm. Um, who's willing to get to that deep soul level stuff. I don't want surface anymore. Right. I, I think surface is great when you're first starting out and you're challenging everything that have, has been just ingrained in you. But once you've mastered that and you know what questions to ask and you've cultivated enough courage to peel back the layers, it just doesn't cut it anymore. Yeah. You need to be able to go deep and, um, and I, I do find that it's deep and not wide. And it's really, it's funny because you keep referring to it as slow and steady pace, but when it comes to learning, what I see a lot of people do, and some of it is enthusiasm and some of it is in seeking something outside of yourself, is that they finish one course and they start up with another. Mm-hmm. And they're jumping from teacher to teacher and it's this seeking, almost like this like missile that's just like looking for the next hit. And I feel the beautiful thing, and I'm not sure if you recognize this within yourself or not, because it's not just about slow and steady, but by going at that pace, you're giving yourself the time to implement and integrate. Mm-hmm. And I think when we are constantly seeking and the start of my spiritual path, I would say like the first five years of my journey was um, because I was working with a shaman who had come to town three times a year and I would essentially like go in and do this big work and it was really beautiful. And then I would just peter out over the four months until he'd come back again and then I would start back up again. And I wasn't really sustaining it in between. And I started noticing people in my circle would start shaman shopping where they would go and do this work with every shaman who would come to town. I had one friend who I remember in the month of November I think he did six or seven ayahuasca journeys. Like mm. that's a lot in a year, yes. <laughs> let alone in a month. And, um, and I don't think he's done it since. And this would have been like 2011 or something. He was just like done after that. And so I think the thing that's really beautiful in the pacing that you've chosen, that you are honoring within yourself, because you know what works for you, is that you do have that integration time. And it's such a, it's not just honoring the work, um, but it's, helping you go deeper with it too, because so long as we're just filling our heads with more stuff, we're not actually like bringing it down on a cellular level and you can't go deep if you're not integrating. Yeah, no, that's very, very true. And I can tell when it's time to find another teacher because then I start encountering different things with different clients, kind of like this up-leveling. I'm like, okay, like I haven't really experienced this. Like I could use some guidance through this. Um, And that's when I always know it's time to kind of like call upon somebody who's been on my radar for a little while. So my pace is usually one mentor a year um, for mediumship, right? Like Kyle does the angel mentorship. Um, you know, I've studied with Rebecca Campbell on that soul stuff. Um, and that really kind of woke me up the divine feminine within me when it comes to mediumship in particular. Um, I usually pick like one a year now and just do like a quick little six to 12 week kind of like program. Um, yeah, so I completely agree. And, the next few months are really smooth. I'm integrating everything that I learned and with like this new confidence and then the lessons start coming in. (laughs) You're like, okay, it's time to stretch again. Right now the lessons start coming in. Okay. I can tell spirit saying I'm ready for that next level. So let's prepare. Right. And the truth is I, I know a lot of mediums who have figured things out on their own and like never had a mentor and things have worked out great for them. It's actually less relationships to deal with. For sure. But I love, learning things from different people and 
the more people are willing to share what they went through so that I can either avoid it or know how to prepare myself, like the better I feel. And I'm a Virgo. So I'm very, you know, Virgo sun. So I'm very tactical and I'm very like, let's gather my lists and like, let's gather all the resources and I can like store them like, you know, in my cheeks and just like pull them out whenever I want. And so, you know, different teachers have different experiences, have different ways of teaching and expressing. And that's how come I like, I like doing it that way, to be honest with you. When it takes, um, when you have a, you know, a natural inclination and a foundation, that's really well and good. And you can get, you can get far on your own, but to be able to expand what is possible for you just by having different perspective enter the ring is, um, I think it's probably the biggest benefit of working with somebody. Yeah, definitely. Cause we can only do so much on our own. Yeah. We can go do a lot, but it's only so much. Exactly. So this has been super juicy and super nourishing. And thank you for sharing your heart with us because it is really beautiful to enter a conversation around like mediumship and turn it into just development of gifts in general. So where can these people find you? Where can we find you online and in the world? Online, I'm most active on Instagram at Squamish Medium, S-Q-U-A-M-I-S. H medium. If you haven't heard of Squamish, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. You have to come. It, <laughs> and it truly then, is. She's not exaggerating. <laughs> it's paradise on earth, Squamish medium. And then you can find me on my podcast called Spirit School, which is on all the platforms that you can listen to podcasts on. And what I love about Spirit School is because she's kind of, she goes a little rogue with it. You have to subscribe. You can't just show up once a week and know when it's coming. She's going to just drop into your downloaded episodes waiting for you. So you want to make sure you subscribe. You don't want to miss it. Um, it's really good insight on living a spiritual life, but also if you are specifically working on cultivating your gifts, this is um, the podcast you want to be listening to. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. This has been great. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining me this week. You have been the absolute best. And are you loving these interviews? If so, join us in our Facebook group, The Lightwalker's Path, and let me know. I want to know how these are impacting you, how they're inspiring you, and of course, who you would love to see. All right, that's it until next week. We'll see you then.